from the Wayne Sumner Studio. My recommendation is in honor of the British Bodie McBoatface. It's uh, Sonny McCarface. Broadcasting live in Boone, North Carolina on 90.5 WASU-FM. You're driving and you think you start getting hungry and you're like, oh, I have a Dunkin' Donuts app on my car. Why not I just buy 12 donuts? Around the world on iHeartRadio and WASURadio.com. It's astonishing what you've done. You managed to have a three-car pileup on a road with a speed limit of 25 miles per hour. Right in front of the police station, too. So, uh, congratulations. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. This is Loopy Radio. I'm Loopy. I'm Loopy on a very cold evening. Very cold. On November the 14th, 2018. It's freezing. But, you know, the thing to think about is that we haven't had snow yet. Traditionally, from what I've been told in Boone, is that Boone has its first snow of the... I can't say of the year because it snows in January, February, but it has the first snow of the season before Halloween. That's just kind of a thing. It always happens. You can expect it. Well, this year that didn't happen. And it's cold right now. It is barely above 32 and it is raining. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm okay with not having class tomorrow. I'm a-okay with that. But here, here's the crazy thing to think about is that Class-wise, you know, they, we have quite a few weeks left, but I only have classes that are twice a week. And uh, today I was in class and I looked at my calendar and I was like, shoot, we only meet five more times. And then it's over. So that's nice. I'm fine with that. Thanksgiving is almost here, and uh, I will be down with family in Charlotte, and that'll be enjoyable. A gluten-free Thanksgiving by necessity. But I, I'm in, I'm finally interested to start seeing some snow around here because I was talking to someone the other day, walking to a class. It was just it was gross and disgusting, and you know, cold and rainy and just miserable. And I was like, I don't care if snow means it has to be colder out. I would rather it snow than it be a cold rain. The cold rain is just, it, that's the most miserable thing. And uh, that's probably why no one is at the alehouse sitting outside right now, as I can see out the window. They're all packed inside. Nobody wants to be out in this. My car doesn't want to be out in this. I tried to start my car on Sunday morning, and uh, yeah, no. No start. And uh, that's put me in a bit of a pickle. Because my car is an old diesel, which means you need a lot of power to start it. And uh, the battery for my car, which I believe is what's broken, is the battery. The battery for my car is over $200. A regular small sedan with a gas engine will have a battery that's like 70 bucks if you buy a cheap one if i buy a cheap one for my car it's over 200 yeah not looking forward to that i get a paycheck tomorrow and it's going to be less than that that's always fun 
So on the show tonight, we got actually uh, some decent local news to talk about. Uh, Christmas trees, huge industry for this part of the country. You know, the, the North Carolina mountains are known, like, nationally as a great place to grow Christmas trees. So right now is the perfect time of year to start talking about that. The skiing slopes are opening. Skiing. I wouldn't do it right now. Unless you like skiing in really cold, wet mud. And then uh, we're going to talk about how cold this winter might get. I've touched on it briefly about a month ago, but this is a better article on it. The sun has had no sunspots compared to usual. The sun goes through a cycle, but this is abnormal. And what that means is that we're going through a period of low activity relative for the sun. The sun's not dying. It's just in a cycle. And it's abnormally low at the moment. The last time we had numbers this low, the Earth had what is called a mini ice age. Yeah. So we'll... uh, Maybe our our friend Mr. Global Warming is going to help us out a little bit this winter. Keep us from having a mini ice age. I do love being up here, though. You can, you know, not enjoy the cold rain. But what a beautiful place to be. The last place I'd want to be in a cold rain is like in the middle of a cornfield in Kansas. How boring does that sound? I mean, we're just in a fantastic place to live. And it's great. I'm about to go to break, and I'll be back. We'll start off with Christmas trees. But I I got a question for you. Have you bought North Carolina Christmas trees? Or do you just uh, go to Walmart and pick them up? Or do you not have a Christmas tree at all? Do you have a fake-mas tree? Christmas trees are weird, though, and the more you think about it, the more you're like, what is going on here? Why why is there a tree in the living room? With lights on it? I'm loopy. I'm loopy. I've got to be honest, this Christmas tree thing is just weird to think about. Why, where did this even start? Whose idea was this and why did other people uh, agree to do it? Just really think about it for a second. Why did we cut down a tree so it's dead now, put it in our house, put things on it, we'll just call them ornaments, half of them fall off and shatter because we make them out of thin glass, And uh, put sketchy electric lights on it so that this dead tree can uh, catch fire, thus setting the house on fire. Not only that, we put presents under it. So uh, you spend a bunch of money on presents, you spend a bunch of money on a tree, spend a bunch of money on ornaments and lights, and then it all catches fire and burns your house to the ground. Merry Christmas. But really, why do we do it? It's it's a weird it's a weird thing, but yet we do. 
especially here in America. The Christmas tree is an icon. You know, well, for a lot of people, when they hear Christmas, one of their first ideas is a green carnivorous tree with lights on it. It's just one of these traditions. Uh, I think it's kind of fun, but still at the same time, it's like when you really start to think about it, the Christmas tree. But it's a huge thing up here for farmers. You know, it's not like these Christmas trees just come out of nowhere. For some people, this is their livelihood. They make the Christmas trees. And it's a huge process. And it takes a lot of planning. And it takes years. We're talking about growing trees. You don't just, you know, there's no tree season. Like, oh, it's time to go pick the trees. You, you you plant these suckers and you let them grow and when they're super young you make sure you know they're not ripped apart or deformed while they're growing and then you know once you have it down to a science you expect yourself to have good decent christmas trees by the time you get to a certain time period you know like in 7 years or whatever i want to have fully grown christmas trees So when there's a setback, like it doesn't rain for a while or something weird, you know, what do you do to make sure your Christmas trees are ready on time? Because you're planning on it. It's people's livelihoods. From the Watauga Democrat, they posted this yesterday. The uh, Christmas tree time of the year is starting now. It says Watauga County has been deemed a premier destination for choose and cut Christmas tree farms. These are the kind – it's not like going to Walmart and they just got a pile of them. This is where you go to the place. The tree is still alive and in the ground and you pick it and you kill it and you take it home. Its popularity is so high that several local farms ran out of trees last year and were forced to close early. It's a good problem to have. Watauga County has always been the biggest and best choose and cut region, said Doug Huntley. A media contact for the National Christmas Tree Service. How on earth do you get a job with the National Christmas Tree Service? And, yeah, all right, the National Christmas Tree Service. They ran out of trees last year because they did such a good job, is what he said. Good for you, Watauga people. Dennis Cook, co-owner of Circle K Tree Farms in Boone said he plants trees in seven different lots and replants every seven years to ensure he has a plentiful supply of choose and cut trees. So he has seven plots and uh, replants every seven years. So I guess, does that mean he grows them to be seven years old and cuts one plot at a time? I don't know. I'd like to know more about that. Cook says he's expecting to have around 100,000 trees this year. And then just, that's cool. And I, I respect the people that do this. Someone's got to do it. And I love how it's local. It's a little local specialty. 100,000 trees. I, I just like to imagine that no one uses Christmas trees. And you show up to this guy's house and you're like, yeah, what do you build on your farm? 
I build trees. And you can pick one and cut one and take it home. His Christmas trees are weird. And then we get into the thing even, this is even more weird. As if the concept wasn't strange enough, you get some people that uh, are allergic and you really don't want to have a tree in your house. It'll give you like hay fever. And so what do you do to keep in the spirit? Because it's weird to not have a tree in your house. Weird to not have a dead tree in your house. So we make fake ones. Think about that for a minute. Picture being someone who has no idea what's going on, no idea what a Christmas tree concept even is. They walk into your house in early December and they see a plastic, strange looking, maybe it's supposed to look like a tree type thing, but it's got it's got lights on it and half of them are broken. And you have boxes under it with ribbon and weird wrapping around it. The more I think about it, the more I sound like a Scrooge. I love Christmas. I got a puppy for Christmas once. That was fun. And by Christmas, I mean we got him in like October. And we just said, this is our Christmas present. Thanksgiving yet. That's the thing to think about. All this stuff about Christmas already. Thanksgiving is, it hasn't happened yet. And yeah, what's this deal with, where did Thanksgiving go? Where are all the, where are all the pumpkins and the, I don't know, what else represent, a turkey. Where are all the turkeys? We're, you know, we've all we've gone straight from Halloween to the baby Jesus and Santa Claus. Seems like all in a snap. It, come on, Thanksgiving's great. You get to watch some good football and uh, eat a bunch of food, and uh, nobody judges you for it. It's great. And it gets you out of school for crying out loud. Next week, you know, we just got two days. One of my classes is already canceled, so I considered just skipping the whole week. And then another one of my classes announced that we're going to have a test. And that's the last class I have to go to as a test. Thank you for being a buzzkill, Spicy. Oh, well. But, yeah, seriously, Thanksgiving is great. And it's a good idea. I think we were the first country to have a concept of a Thanksgiving holiday. And from what I understand, other countries have picked up on it. It's a, it's a good thing. Forces you to... I mean, I think, I think most people just think of it as a day to eat food and see friends and family. But 
there are quite a few instances of where people still remember the the true meaning of Thanksgiving, and they uh, sit around and they let each other know what they're thank you thankful for. And you might think of that as silly, or you know, it's kind of like a given, like we know what we're thankful for, but. Sometimes it's good to just tell people. Let them know that that's what you're thinking. It's a good thing. Speaking of a good thing for a lot of people, skiing slopes, skiing season is beginning. This is also from the Tiger Democrat. It says Sugar Mountain Resort opened on Sunday. Three days ago. For its 49th season, next year will be 50. They started at 9 in the morning and ran until 4.30 p.m. That's when it gets dark these days, isn't it? 4.30-ish? That's ridiculous. They also say uh, fully operational now at Sugar Mountain Resort are the equipment rental shops, sports shops, and snowboard school. Continues to some other places, so that's Sugar Mountain. Here's a Beach Mountain Resort. Is preparing for opening day. Hasn't opened yet. The resort expects to open by Thanksgiving weekend at the latest. So really any time now between next weekend. The resort could open on the 17th, they're thinking. That's a date to look for. That's three days from now. And Beach uh, did some upgrades. They say Beach Mountain Resort recently added two new chairlifts, more than doubling its uphill capacity. In addition to these upgrades, the uh, resort has also added 115 new slope lights and four new snow guns. A ribbon-cubbing ceremony for the new chairlifts is scheduled for December 1st. So they're still running on the uh, older ones until December 1st, and then they'll more than double the capacity. With two new ones. Blowing Rocks, Apski Mountain. Confirmed on Tuesday that they would not be opening as scheduled on November 16th. But looking to open any day after as soon as cold air allows snowmaking. That's another weird thing too. You know, Skiing's been around for a long time. Especially cross-country skiing. It's a way to get around for places that constantly have snow. But... Because of recreational skiing, we've gotten to a point where someone had to invent the snow gun, something that makes snow. Usually when people see snow, they think, you know, darn it, I can't do work outside and I'm going to spin out and crash. But uh, in some cases, we require snow guns to make snow. Not snow gun as in I'm going to shoot you with the snow gun. And you're going to turn into a snowman. This whole week uh, for App State has been, uh, it's, a, it's an event called Say What, which is basically what I call Free Speech Week. We've had events, still having events through the rest of the week. Uh, and last night was a panel discussion. And they had six or seven panelists up receiving questions. Most of the questions that were asked were written by students, and uh, they didn't cover all the questions that were at, that were um, available to be asked. But it, but it was good. They they start with the question and then just kind of go from there. It's kind of how it naturally went. Only a few times did they have to just say, "All right, what's the next question?" 
And it was interesting to hear. I feel like if you asked all of the people that were a panelist what their views on certain political things were, they'd all be fairly the same. So in that sense, it was very one-sided. But I was impressed by the fact that the panelists took the questions on free speech in terms of what free speech is in the Constitution. What are our rights legally for having free speech? That was good. That was fair because they were going off of set rules. I'm going to dive a little further into what I'm talking about. I just kind of jumped into that a bit abruptly, but I think it's important. It's important to think about. After that, we're going to talk about the sun because, I mean, it's kind of important too, I guess, the sun. All right. I'm Loopy. College Talk Radio. Loopy without banned substances. I'm Loopy. So with all this winter stuff uh, coming into full steam here, skiing, Christmas trees, uh, all this before Thanksgiving, you can start thinking about, you know, the, it's going to get colder for the winter. And it is. It's, it's cold outside. I'm glad I am indoors. And I'm glad it's going to be low 50s for that football tailgate because I'm probably going to have to be there. And, uh, yeah, cold and rainy for that is not fun. So that actually sounds pretty good. Good sweatshirt material. But here's something to think about as well, something abnormal, something we're going to have to kind of wait and see because we haven't experienced this in a very long time. Not totally sure what else is going to happen. And there's a lot of factors out there, too. There's really no way of predicting this, and we're just going to have to figure it out as we go along. From Sputnik News, from the Russians, it says the sun is headed towards a solar minimum, a time of far less energy output. That could mean cold winters are on their way, according to officials from NASA. They say high above Earth's surface, near the edge of space, our atmosphere is losing heat energy. If current trends continue, it could soon set a space-age record for cold. So ever since we've started going into outer space, this very well could be the coldest the uh, edge of space for us has ever been. They say the atmosphere always cools off during solar minimum, which is what we're approaching. It's one of the most important ways the solar cycle affects our planet. It's just the way it is. It's normal. The article says the sun runs on an average cycle of 9 to 14 years from maximum to minimum output. I've seen a graph. It's actually it's surprising how regular it is. As indicated, And this is indicated by the number of sunspots astronomers observe. These are literally, if you take, don't do this, you need the right stuff. If you take a proper telescope and aim it at the sun and take a photograph, you can actually see spots. We call those sunspots. The more sunspots there are, the more energy the sun is shooting out from it. The fewer there are, the less. So a sunspot just represents activity, basically. 
So we're approaching a minimum where we see the fewest number of sunspots. With only a month and a half to go in 2018, the year has been shockingly devoid of sunspot activity. On August 29th, 132 of the 241 days of the year had been without sunspots. So basically 130 of the 100 of the 240 days had no sunspots, none. Universe Today reported at the time that's more than 10 times less activity than during a normal solar minimum. The last solar minimum was in 2009, which is nine years ago, and a cycle goes about every nine years. Isn't that funny? So we are in a solar minimum time. That's pretty expected. What's unexpected is the amount of days we've gone without high output from the sun. As a result, less stuff from the sun is flying flying at us. As you probably know by now, the sun is what gives us our warmth and basically everything. Uh, so with less activity from the sun, we're receiving less stuff, including less heat. And uh, that's setting us up for something here. Especially because we're at an abnormal spot. Ron Turner, a senior science advisor to NASA's Innovative Advanced Concepts Program, said at the time that the solar cycle was among the weakest on record. It's one of the weakest ever that we've recorded. And we've been recording sunspots since like the dark ages. Seriously. Hundreds of years. Learning that in the 23 solar cycles since recording began in 1755, there we go, it's not the dark ages, but you get what I'm saying, there were very few solar maxima weaker than that recorded in 2014. So the maximum we had in 2014 was weak. And now this minimum is weak. What's that setting up for? As a consequence, the article says scientists are predicting one of the coldest periods ever recorded for our upper atmosphere. And that means cooler temperatures down here, too. They say uh, that we're not quite there yet, but we could be feeling effects from this in a matter of months. The dead of winter for us. February-ish. During one uh, comparable solar minimum, this article says, a prolonged period from 1645 to 1715. Europe saw widespread crop failures due to the cold, unusually frozen rivers, and seas. They call that the mini ice age for a reason, because it was a, a mini ice age. Better go buy yourself a jacket. We'll, uh, we'll pick up on the free speech when we return. See how I teased it? Carrying it over. Building up our ratings that we're not signed up for and we don't get. We have no idea how many people are listening. But thank you. I appreciate you listening. We'll be right back. Free speech week at App State. I'll give my little two cents on the goings-on.
So right now is Free Speech Week, basically. That's not the official name, but... The, the start of the name is Say What? That's the first part. It's basically, it's Free Speech Week. Abstain. Lots of events, lots of uh, thingies all about free speech and what does that mean. And uh, last night, I was at a panel meeting broadcasting the uh, the panel on WASU. I didn't really have to do much. I was there basically just making sure nothing failed and to tell the people here when to start. That's basically all I did. But uh, I thought it was good. I think the uh, the people that were up there speaking were very like-minded, which I don't want to see. But what they were good at was uh, addressing what the issue was. And what the issue that, that was talking about was what is free speech legally? What does it mean for us? What does it mean for administrators? What does it mean for professors? What does it mean for the president? And you could tell, especially with an academic environment, there are a lot of people who uh, are quite liberal or people who just flat out don't like Donald Trump for whatever academic reason they have. And so the moment someone threw out, what about the president? You know, what's the president's right to free speech? Which is a decent thing to ask. And immediately you saw like a rustle from the crowd. Mostly because they don't like him. Now granted, there are some things that the president has said that I don't think are should have be said. But I do something that a lot of people sadly don't do. And that's whether I like what the president is saying or not, I'm rooting for the president. I don't care who the president is. I want the president to be the best dang president we can have. And uh, a lot of people, even before he stepped in office, were saying, let's impeach him. The president of the United States is the president of the United States. And if you're a citizen of the United States, you better be rooting for that president, whether you voted for them or not. And there's so much hatred, especially in the academic community. For people like the president or people who think that way. It's ridiculous. And what this panel did is they really calmed down the stereotypical just outright hatred of the president that a lot of people have, which was good, especially because I think most of these people, if not all of them, are not fans of the president. They were very like-minded thinking, and I think they were all quite left at minimum. And uh, the best part in this regard, uh, I'm complimenting the panel here. The best part for them was when uh, people in the crowd could raise their hand and our uh, our Oprah Winfrey, as they said, would go around with a microphone and people would ask their question and panel would respond. Good stuff. 
a student raised uh, their hand and basically said something about, you know, what's the president's right with tweets and stuff like that. And the way this person said it made it obviously sound like they were not appreciative and that they just wanted to hear the panel say something bad about the president. It was pretty obvious. And uh, the panel kind of tried to answer it. And I believe they kind of asked this person to redo their question, kind of say it again, because they were trying to, which is great. They were trying to actually find some substance in the question as opposed to just falling into the trap of, oh, yeah, I hate the president. You know, they're really trying to dig deep into it. And the the answer to it was interesting. It really was. Uh, And the fact of the matter is that. The president is a citizen and we're citizens. So we share the same Constitution, Bill of Rights, Declaration of Independence, all these things. We share it. But a big difference that the president has is that the president cannot be sued for something that the president does that qualifies as official business, you could say. So how would you define official business if you were trying to sue the president? So so basically what they're saying is you really can't. I'll get back on to how this concludes when we come back. It's um, it's good. It's good to see. I don't think you see this all the time, especially in an academic environment. You don't see it. It's good. All right. I'm loopy. I'm loopy. Free Speech Week had some interesting times since I've been doing things with it. And uh, what I did last night was broadcast it. And uh, I didn't say anything to the broadcast. I basically just made sure it worked. Not very impressive, but... But there was a, there was a really good part. A part that I really thought was good for everyone to see. It was kind of like an open night type opportunity in a student asked a question that was intentionally trying to get a quite left-leaning leaning, uh, panel to just say something bad about the president. This person just wanted to just to hear experts say something bad about the president, which I think is just unhealthy. And the, the person asked a question about, you know, what is the, the president's Freedom of speech with tweets. I think is that that's what she, uh, this person was getting at, but it uh, clearly was not intended to have an educated answer. And the panel got that. Asked the person to rephrase the question, and they tried to pick out what they could from it to give a decent answer that would actually benefit people. And uh, after a little bit of probing, one person basically flat out asked, like, do you know where you're going with this question? And the person said, no, I I don't know where I'm going. And then they basically stopped talking. See, an academic environment needs more of this. This panel was good. They were looking to answer questions. They were not looking to generate sound bites. 
or state opinions, political opinions. They were looking to let the audience know what is freedom of speech legally? What is it? And they did it. I was impressed. I think the sad thing from the whole thing, even though it was broadcast on radio and app TV, there really weren't many people there. And I think that kind of that kind of says something about the whole academic scene in general. A, it sheds light on the fact that students have a lot of work to do. And a lot of them can't make time to do something like this. But at the same time, you know, if you want to see actual answers to questions, this was a great thing to go to. And no one was there. So are are students getting the best academic situation that they could have if they're missing the best stuff? So are students here to get an education or are students here to accomplish something they feel like they need with the lowest amount of effort possible? Is that the reality of it? That was the reality of it for me in high school. So I would imagine that for a lot of people that would be their their goal in college as well. You see, I'm not paying for my college which is extremely nice. So I feel obligated to do as well as I possibly can. But I don't think, I think a lot of people don't share those kind of ideas. College students are still very young. And a lot of them don't understand investments of money. Going to college costs a lot of money. And you could be making money, but you're spending your time spending it instead. It's an investment of money. It's at least four years. It's an investment of time. And if you if you go through college and you don't know what the heck you're going to do with your life when you graduate, you know, I don't care if you did well. You've wasted your time. If it... if your education doesn't help you. You're wasting your time. You wasted four years of your life. It's an investment. And while you're a student, you can invest your time different ways. And I think going to the panel discussion last night was an excellent, excellent investment of time. Another week has flown by. What is it? I think next week. I, next week I'm not on, I believe. So uh, sayonara. And I'll be back in two weeks on the 28th. Oh boy. I'm ripping.